This is episode number 1209 with the Wall Street Trapper. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome, my friend. Today's guest is Leon Howard, who is better known as Wall Street Trapper. Growing up in New Orleans, Leon is no stranger to the streets and the pitfalls that come with it. He has an incredible story that we dive deep into today about his 10-year prison experience where he learned about the stock market and the similarities to business in the real world and the business in the streets. He provides a ton of resources ranging from courses and eBooks where he simplifies wealth creation and creating wealth through the stock market. In this episode, we discuss how Trapp's upbringing and experience of going to prison saved him and taught him the foundations of building wealth, the similarities between business in the real world and business in the streets, the key steps to begin to build financial freedom, the simple concepts people misunderstand about building wealth, how to truly change your identity and the trajectory of your life, no matter what you've been through, and so much more. If you're inspired by this, make sure to share this with someone that you think would be inspired as well. You can just copy and paste the link wherever you're listening to this or go to lewishouse.com slash 1209 and share that link. If this is your first time here, please click the subscribe button over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify right now to stay up to date on the latest and greatest from the School of Greatness podcast. And I want to give a shout out to the fan of the week today from Maers. And they said, this podcast is pure in goodness and valuable for so many reasons on so many levels. And Lewis decided to live his truth openly and in the process is able to influence and help people at scale that would not be possible otherwise. So big thank you to Maris for leaving a review over on Apple Podcasts and being a fan of the week. Okay, excited about this one. And in just a moment, the one and only Wall Street Trapper. When did you realize that you were going to start learning about financial literacy and, mm-hmm. then, and then what did it look like when you got out? Oh, man. So, you know, born and raised in New Orleans, first and foremost. And New Orleans has always been a city um, that I feel it is full of culture, mm-hmm. right? And on the front side, people know it for food and, and, and music, and music and yeah, yeah. you know, the good times. But there's a part of New Orleans that also is on the other side that gets a lot of light, which is it being a murder capital, high crime, right? A lot of poor, a lot of underdeveloped people, um, financially, um, just in so many different ways. And so I grew up in that. Uh, saw my mom's get shot when I was um, nine years old. You saw her get shot? I saw her get shot when I was like nine. Wow. Um, maybe like a hundred yards away from me. Wow. So immediately I had a connection and understanding of violence. Right, so at nine years old, kind of like when I got older, like I now think about how that played in my brain over and over and over again. And so, when someone, when a, when a kid sees violence at an early age in the mm-hmm. family, what does that do to the kid? Does it normalize it? Does it yep. does it make them want to be more violent, be less violent, mm-hmm. like and run away from it? What it, what happens? So to what you? it did for me was it did two things. One, it made me it made me realize that violence in my environment was a necessary evil. To do what? Protect yourself? Protect to... whatever, like, in, if anything happened, violence was now the first result. Mm. No matter what that violence looked like, whether it was fighting, whether it was shooting, whether, it was like, okay, 
if if someone can shoot my mother, oh, wow, then they can shoot me. Mm-hmm. So now I'm automatically in protect mode. Mm. Okay, cool. This is what it is. But also it becomes a tool for regulation. Like you, you start understand like okay, like violence is what gives me respect. Mm. Violence is what keeps me from being a prey. Right? And so you just start to normalize it. It's like I always, I said this to somebody before, I said, if you come to New Orleans and you're in a park and a gun goes off, if there's a bunch of kids in the park, I can almost guarantee you they won't run. They know the protocol. They know to get down, look both ways, see where the gunshot's coming from, and then go the opposite way. Mm. That is normalized. That's trauma. No kid should understand the protocol to what to do For a gunshot. Yeah. yeah. But it's like understood. Like I even knew it at a young age. I would be inside. Gunshots ring the first thing we do, we get under the bed. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like this this is understood. So it's like the, you know, in school they teach you like when Stop dropping rules. Yeah, yeah. It's like when there's a, when there's a tornado warning, <laughs> yeah. a siren, it's like yeah. here's what to do. This yeah. is what you do. So it's like a, a survival handbook, but in real time. Mm. And you also see that no age limit is off limits to getting killed wow because young kids are getting young kids shot getting, up yeah or... like it's happening mm-hmm. so you start to understand like okay this this is my environment me seeing guns me seeing drugs prostitution all right cool this okay this doesn't yeah. scare me no more i get it all right cool so now i got the i have to now walk around and understand how that feels I have to walk around knowing if I don't do the right things, that could be me mm-hmm. at a young age, right? So, so you have to educate yourself on violence and, prote- and protecting yourself and being aware of what to do and mm-hmm. how to get out of situations and how oh, to yeah. defend yourself. Con- conflict resolution, yeah. like all of those things are apparent at a young age, even even when it comes down to even just like bare fist fights, mm-hmm. like you understand that. If I don't handle this situation right here, right now, then it's certain things in this neighborhood I will not be able to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I will not be able to go to this store if I let him take him or whoever they are take this dollar from me, mm-hmm. 50 cent from me. Why well, won't you be able to go to the store? Because now every time they see you, they take more. It's going to take more. Yeah, unless you defend yourself. Unless or... you, and it's either going to be, man, it ain't even worth my time going over there messing with him, man. Right. right. Let's I don't go get something. Yeah, yeah, I don't got time to hear that. He's going to beat one of us up. Let me go over there. <laughs> yeah, right? So it's like, it's like the bully in school. That. It's like the bully keeps beating you up until you stand up to the bully. Yep. And, yeah. and then the thing about the bully is the bully never really wants a tough fight. No. Why would I do something tough when I could go where it's easier? Right? Mm-hmm. So you you just start to understand those things. You're like, you know what? And then you start hearing things in the street. Like, your people tell you stuff like, if let's say you go home, you. You, you my uncle, you send me uh-huh. to the store. And I come back and be like, oh, man, such and such them took it from me. Well, don't come back in here until you either come back with what I gave you yeah. or you come in here bloody. <laughs> Prove me. Right, yeah. show me that somebody, and now we gonna go out there and take care of that. So wow. now like, those are the realities wow. at a young age and it doesn't say, okay, you're too young for this. Yeah. Nah, it's whenever it happens, you gotta be able, and so now you develop that mindset, that mentality from a little bitty to adulthood and what happens is now you see it so much it becomes you mm-hmm. it, oh i know how to handle this situation right here all the gate boom boom booms and then you now teach that trauma yeah right you replay it you for, replay yeah. it you so 
16, maybe like 14, I was homeless. So my grand, I lived with my grandmother. My grandmother passed away. And I was homeless. Like, literally homeless. Because my... It, it, it wasn't that my family didn't want nothing to do with me, but everybody has their issues. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to take on another burden. You know what I'm saying? No matter what it is. So I dealt with that for a minute, just being homeless. And then I moved with my aunt, who was on drugs, and I started hustling out her house, you know, for survival purposes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just being able to survive. Just understanding, like, I learned this from my mom, so this is how I'm going to eat. Right. right. So school becomes second nature. Survival becomes present. You know, mm-hmm. this is what has to happen. So, at 16, I go to prison for attempt murder. Um, I got robbed out of some drugs and some guns, mm-hmm. some money. And in the streets, it goes back to that same mentality where if I let you get away with this, then I can't hustle no more. Then you're going to do this again to me over and over yeah, again. Yeah, and not only are you going to do it, but Someone else everybody else. I'm, I'm fair game. They'll hear that you yeah, gave it. I'm yeah. fair game. And then in the streets, there's this, there's this code of there's a difference between robbing me and jacking me. What's the difference? So if I jack you, it's, yo, give me this. Right. What, what you going to do about it? Right, right. Right? Whether it's a gun or not. It's, it's mine which, now, yeah. Yeah, what you going to do about it? Robbing you is if I have a mask uh-huh. on. Yeah, I don't really know who you are. Face, yeah. Right? So robbing you, you kind of get like, all right, I got to find out. But jacking me, it's a bold statement. It's like, whatever. And so that has to be met with some type of consequences. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And not always saying it's right. But in the jungle to survive, exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, you gotta move. You gotta you gotta and, move to another and city. And this ain't what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. And then nobody, nobody, and you don't have time to do all that. Yeah, like, that's, that's I'm Trying at. to get so, to the store. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I went to prison for shooting him, and I got ten years for attempt murder on robbery. Um, and that's kind of when I'm not gonna say life changed. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm in prison. Because like, your mom was there for a number of years. My mom was in prison, yep. And you would visit her, so you kind of yep. knew that this is an environment that I could potentially be in one day. Yeah, that's like that's that's kind of understood already. Yeah. Like, you already understand that at some point on your journey, you're going to prison. Like, that's it. Like you're going to prison. Um, you're going to, at some point, use a gun on mm-hmm. several different occasions. Wow. Right? Like, this like this understood already. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it'd be kind of hard for a lot of people to understand that because if you if you if you've never been introduced to that, you never you know like if you've never seen a lion hunt, then when he eat the gazelle, you're like that's so ferocious. But you don't understand the rules of the jungle. You don't understand the rules of the safari, mm-hmm. right? So it may seem grotesque, but in the safari, we know that's that's the ecosystem, right? So in the streets, that's just like part of the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Like, that's right, the environment. Yeah, yeah, it has to happen. What was that like when you knew that you were sentenced to 10 years at 16? Were you like, was it devastating? Is it kind of like, this is my badge of honor? Is it kind of like, man, I was only hoping for a year or two, not right. 10? So I remember uh, my great aunt came to court for me because um, they wanted to give me 35 years. Jeez. Because the dude, you know, he wasn't, again, it was a temporary, so he wasn't dead. Um, and my aunt, she knew the judge. Wow. And she kind of like just told him my story. She's like, look, he just been going through a lot. His mom's in prison. My sister passed away, which was her, my grandmother's sister. You know, he just been out here. He's a better kid than that. You know, he just, you know. So 
he actually gave me, he, he came to me and he said, you have no other option than to take these 10 years. I'm not asking you, do you want to take them? You're going to take them. You're him. going to take yeah. these 10 years, <laughs> right? And the DA was like upset about that, right? Because here's an opportunity to take, again, you know, and I'm not saying he's mad, but here's an opportunity to take somebody off the streets in a city who's that's plagued with crime for shooting somebody. Like, he has to go. So in my mind, I was just like, because I had saw it so much, I was kind of numb to it. Mm. You know, it was like, all right, how much they going to give me? Right? And I kind of, to be honest with you, the 10, I was like, all right, cool. It's a cakewalk. Wow. You know, think about it. 16, 10 years, I'm like, I'm already like, okay, 25, 26, I'll be home. That's cool. Wow. But let me tell you something that's crazy. Let me tell you something that's absurd. In prison, you will hear people say, oh, I could do another five, 10 years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was that person. At about age 19, I was like, yeah, I still got another 10. I could do another 10-year bid. Why? Like, that's, Why? Because you just, you don't see no other way. Right. Right? Like, you kind of have to mentally put yourself there. Yeah. Otherwise, you go crazy, I guess. You, you kind of feel like, one of the things that you don't see a lot in, in those communities, you got to remember, we financially and um, they just underdeveloped. Yeah. Education, yeah, education, financial literacy. We, we underdeveloped mm-hmm. coming up in that. Everybody you see is in survival mode. Nobody is thriving but the drug dealers, the rappers, and the people that play sports. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Maybe a couple of musicians. Yeah, and if you, and if, you can't, if you can't play sports or if you can't make it rapping, then all the power is now in the drug dealers mm-hmm. or in the criminals. Right? You see them living the life they want. And everybody that you see going to work, they barely making it. Right, You know people with two jobs. Mm-hmm. You know people with three jobs. And all you see them doing is coming home whooped. They still struggling. So you like, I'm not about to do that. If I'm going to live a life, at least let me have some fun. Mm-hmm. At least let me do some of the things I want to do. And so in, in, in your mind, you're like, if, if this is the... If this is the alternative, well, hell with it. This is what it is, mm-hmm. right? And so you like you just accept it. And so when you accept that life, you know what come with it, right? And so you mentally prepare yourself like, all right, well, you ain't for murder, you ain't for timber, you ain't for armed robbery, you ain't for selling drugs, man. Like, well, you messed up at what you did wrong. So now y'all start swapping stories. You know, he telling you what he messed up at. He telling you what he did wrong. You like, okay, well, I can get better mm-hmm. if I. Just don't make this mistake and right. don't do this. So you're learning right. real time from somebody who may have 99 years, 240 years, life, Jeez. the death penalty. Like you may, you may be what, learning from Learning them. what not to do when you get What out. not to do, where they messed up at. And remember, right. experience is the best te- teaching in any way of life, right? What mistakes did you make? Okay, cool. That's what you did wrong? Got you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to take mental note of that. And you got to think over the course of two, three, four, five, six years, you sleep on the side of somebody, you learning the game. And in your mind, you just like, I'm going to go home and be better at this than what I was before. Wow. So you accept the idea of, all right, cool. <clears throat> I could do another 10 years. Sure. I did this 10. I could do another 10. It's in me. What's safer for you? What was safer, the streets or prison? So honestly, <clears throat> prison saved me. Saved you. Prison was it, saved my was life. it safer? Because I heard some stories from. It's not. It's not really. Safe. I heard so some I've been stories. Stabbed. Yeah. I, I got a stab wound right here. I think it's on this arm. Yep. I got stabbed yeah. right here. 
I got stabbed in my back in prison. Um, I think they both have, you know, their shortcomings because you got it, what the thing about prison is you boxed in, so you can't you, run, you, you, can't you can't run, escape. From that. you can't escape from that. And and when you're in, in home, you can move around, you can do some things. There's advantages and disadvantages to mm. both. Um, for me, I know prison saved my life because right before that situation, I had got into it with somebody. Where I was almost kidnapped. Like, I was literally almost inside of the trunk. Um, and I barely got out of that, the skin of my teeth. Wow. And I literally came to prison. I really went to jail, like, three weeks later. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Which probably so, would eventually happen. Which yeah. was going So that charge that I went to prison for either saves me from going to prison for something more serious or, saves or getting killed. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that's kind of always, again, that's always the... Like, prison is always the lesser of two evils that you're willing to accept, right? Because you're like, at least I ain't gone. Yeah. And you, you just start to accept it. And, and what was the moment then during prison where you learned about making money? So I had got into a fight with two of my homeboys. <laughs> is this like a verbal fight, a physical fight? No, nah, a physical fight. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I got in a physical fight with two of my homeboys, <laughs> and uh, I go to a solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. And How long? A week? Two weeks? Nah. Day? So I got I got sentenced to ninety days. Ooh, man, solitary that's not fun. confinement. That's not fun. So it's crazy because this is where I feel like I have this thing that I say that like if you take a picture and you put it in a darkness, this is where it develops at. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And the darkness is where it develops. You, want, you don't want to expose it too early because it'll mess up. But in the darkness is where it develops. And when it's time, when you know just right, it can be one of the most beautiful pictures you've ever seen mm-hmm. if you let it develop in the right time. Prison was my development stage. So I'm, I'm, I get in a cell with this white guy. I'm in a full man cell. And it's just two, me and him. Two, bunk bed. Yep, two yeah. on each side. A little two foot walkway, oh, one little bathroom. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've been in this small. Yeah, yeah. For 45 days, mm. me and him were just in a cell. No one else came in a cell, which is. This is for solitary confinement? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So shared confinement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So it's 13 cells on each side, four people in each cell. Mm-hmm. An hour a day out? I went a day out. Now, so we didn't even get an hour. We got 45 minutes. Yeah. Take a shower together, come back in the cell. Man. And for those 45 days, we did a lot of talking. Oh, man. My first day in the cell, though, like, I wanted to beat him up. Because I come into the cell, and the first thing he told me was, man, y'all playing the wrong game. I looked at him. Mind you, I just had a fight with two of my homies. My blood you're still pain, hot. Uh, I'm don't like, tell me what I'm to like, do. I'm like, what? Like, what, what are you talking about? And he was like, nah. Like, I don't mean no disrespect. And it's something about his tone mm. that made me just, like, listen to him. I don't know what it was. I can't even describe it. How old are you at this point? I'm, I'm 17. Oh, wow. One year in. I'm still a hothead. Yeah, I'm still a hothead. Ego mania. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, what what you talking about? Yeah. So he was like, I think for him, that was the first time he had seen that many black men in one spot. Because he had this look of, like, confusion. Mm. Like, he was confused. And he was like, man, y'all playing the wrong game, bro. And I was like, well, if you're playing the right game, why are you in here with me? Right, right. Like, you Why are you in here? What yeah. you talking about? He was like, what, what are you in here for? 
And so one of the things about in prison, like you don't just tell people what you're in prison for unless you're in there for something serious because then you wed. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm in there for a temporary on ride. That's my bad You know what I'm honor, saying? Yeah. yeah, like I'm in like, don't play with me. I'm like, so what you in here for? So he was in there for embezzlement. He embezzled eight, eight, $2.8 million. He kept $2 million. He paid 800000 restitution. And I was like, man, you lying. And so one thing about prison is you can always show somebody your paperwork of what you in there for. And so when I saw it in black and white, it was a different level of respect for me. Because mm. I never saw $2 million on my piece of paper before. And so he said, this is why I'm telling you you're playing the wrong game. He was like, how much time you got? I was like, I got 10 years. He was like, have you ever seen a million dollars before? He was like, you'll never see it playing that game. Mm. Playing what game? The streets. Mm. The drug, it's the game. He's like, you'll never see it playing that game. And I kind of just like took that in for a second. Because up until that point in my life, I never met a successful drug dealer. Right, right. You I mean maybe for a year or two, but yeah. you always get caught, you get caught, you get shot, you get something. Yeah. You get still robbed. Everything. Right? Yes, yeah, so I was just like, that was like one of those moments that like humbled me. So he said, listen, you gotta do these three things. You gotta stop trading time for money. I start learning how to make your money work for you. You got to learn how to give value to people. I didn't learn that message. The value part, I didn't learn that until I started my business. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I had never heard nothing. Like, that was like scripture to me hearing yeah, that, yeah. right? What were those three again? It was, you got to learn how to make your money work for you. Mm -hmm. Stop trading time for money. And give value to people. Yeah. And so he kind of just, I'm not even going to lie, like, he that the way he said it with so much conviction, it kind of like mesmerized me. Like it caught me off guard because I had never heard nothing like that before. And so he just started explaining to me yeah. about how wealthy people use money, and 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 how the streets is a game that we can never win. Mm. We were only pawns yeah. in the game. The house always wins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I was <laughs> like, damn. So he just started making me realizing that. And so I think in that moment, I just started looking at everybody from my mama. I was like, damn, I don't know nobody that won. Everybody had moments, but nobody really won. Yeah. And so maybe before he left, he told me, you need to learn how to do these three things. You need to learn how to, wealthy people invest in stocks. Mm -hmm. They invest in real start a business and then they invest in real estate. And because he said stocks first, in my mind, I wanted to do whatever he was doing. Yeah. And so had he would have said real estate first, I would probably be in a real estate yeah, trap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but because he started with that, it just it stuck with me. So when he went upstate, he went to the so he went to the federal prison. He was How long was he in for? So he did 18 months. Right. He was in federal. And that was that was another thing that caught me off guard. I was like, $2.8 million, and you about to tell me you have 30 years, 40 years, he had 18 months. And he told, he shone, he shone light on something for me. He said, even if I was to come back, the most they could give me is 36 months this time. So even if he went home, kept the $2 million, paid 800 in restitution, so he did 18 months, kept $2 million, if he went home and did the same thing again, the most they can give him was 36 months based on those federal guidelines. Right. He still would have done less time than me, had more money than me. Right. That just blew me away. He was still doing something illegal. He was doing it yeah, illegal, yeah, yeah right, right. but it's just like it was a it, it was a different level. Yeah, of course. You know, I was just like, 
damn, like I'm playing the wrong game. He's like, you're risking your life for yeah. for 30 years yeah, you tri- prison you where I'm risking 18, yeah, 18 months. months. You yeah. Sure. yeah, you're on the wrong level. So that's just kind of like, that was my moment. And mm-hmm. so I remember getting shipped upstate to prison. So, so now I'm in the penitentiary. At 18, you're going yeah, to? Yeah, 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 I'm in prison. So I went from the Orleans Parish prison to like Louisiana State prison, like mm-hmm. prison, maximum security. And I remember stocks, stocks, stocks. So I remember the first book I read was um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. I remember reading that. And I remember just being like blown away at the idea of what financial literacy was. And I remember thinking like, why nobody never teach me this? And so then I remember starting to look at CNBC. And In I, prison? Yeah. Yeah. So... Prison is an odd place. You got a little, you got a little TV in the. Nah, side. nah, nah. So we got a, we in, a, we got a day room. Yeah. So the day room, it has like a probably like a thirty inch TV in there. So sports is number one. Right, of course, movies. Right, yeah. The news is number the, the news, sports, the young and the restless, right? Victor Newman, they like grown men love to watch yeah, Victor yeah, Newman, yeah. right? So I would have to get up like kind of early. So I could watch CNBC, and yeah. I remember watching like Jim Crane. I was like, yo, this dude is crazy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I remember just telling myself, well, I don't see no black people up here. Mm. It's a lot of rich white, white dudes. <laughs> and they not risking their life. Right. And they was talking about numbers I had never heard of before. Yeah. Numbers I knew I could never make selling dope. Numbers I knew I could never make robbing nobody. And I was just like, yeah, I'm playing the wrong game. Mm-hmm. So I remember reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then I remember reading about a guy named Reginald White, Reginald, Reginald Lewis. And I was like, okay. Because his book was Why the White Guys Have All the Fun. Mm-hmm. He built a billion dollar empire off private equity. And I was like, oh, I could play this game. Mm-hmm. And so... I would watch CNBC and I, I couldn't get it because I couldn't understand it. I couldn't, they were speaking in a language that was just, I was like, I ain't never heard that before. And I never forget, um, they was talking about tariffs and what they are. And tariffs were simply taxes that people pay, for uh, other countries pay for coming, you know, hustling in the United States. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I said, well, that's the equivalent to paying draft. So a draft is like, let's say you live in one hood, I live in one hood, you want to come hustle over here? I say, Louis, you got to pay me some money to come over here. That's a terror. Mm-hmm. I'll leave you alone as long as you pay me. As yeah. long as you pay me. I was like, oh, oh, this reminds me of the streets. And then a friend of mine named Chris Kellogg, he used to get the USA Today. And so when I was in prison, I used to run numbers. I was a bookie. And I remember him telling me, you always get the sports section. Why you never get the business section? You're always looking at um, CNBC. I was like, man, nobody looking at the business section. He said, well, you looking at stocks. This is the part you need to be looking at. I was like, yeah. So I remember I started reading that from him. So every time he would get the, the uh, USA Today, I would pay him to give me just the business section. And I would just read it. And then like it just started clicking to me. It reminded me literally of the streets. Like in order for a company to be great on the stock market, they have to have a good product. In order for a business to be right. enough for me a good hustler, I got to have a good product. In order for the company to have um, great, they got to have great revenues, they got to have a great profit. In the streets, if I can be a great hustler, 
I have to know how to turn my revenues into profit. I got to have more than re-up money. It has to be money that I can re-up with and then go get some more, get more and product. pay my bills. Yeah. yeah. You have to learn that. In the, on the stock market, if a company has a good moat, a competitive advantage, they can beat off their defenders. Well, if I'm a hustler, if I got a good product, if I got a good price, I got good packaging, if I'm always out there, if I'm always available, yeah. I got a moat. You're like 7-Eleven, baby. It's, it's popping. You're always open. I'm open. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so I was like, yo, this remind me of the streets. Mm -hmm. It's no different. And so once I was able to make that connection, in my mind, I said, I could be the next Warren Buffett. Wow. Like, I could be the next Warren Buffett. So were you teaching yourself and reading books then for the most yep. of those years? Or did you have someone else in there teaching you? Was it all self-taught? Nah, everything was self-taught in prison. Um, kind of like nobody was really on it. Like everybody was like on sports. Real estate was mm -hmm. the thing. Like everybody right. in prison really? wants to come home and get into real estate. Really? Everybody wants. And that was one of the things that Robert Kiyosaki talks about. Real estate, real estate, real estate, real estate, real estate. So, you know, that's kind of like the thing. Like I'm going to come home. I'm getting into real estate. And in prison, I learned about real estate investment trust, which is REITs. I was like, oh, yeah. so I can own the real estate without even, you know managing what I'm saying, managing a property, and none of that. Stuff. Oh, this is, this is love. So everything was me just learning. So studying Monash Pabri, studying Warren Buffett, studying Bill Ackman, studying um, just so many different people, Peter Lynch, just studying them, understanding them, Joel Greenblatt. Just studying them, listening to them, like getting my people, man, send me some books. Uh, getting somebody I know, like, yo, man, tell your people, send me these books. I'm going to pay you for it from the commissary. And so I would just read, 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 read. I ain't had nothing else to do. I would go to work, come back to my dorm, read. Yeah, read. And just yeah. read, and then I would get consumed in it because immediately I saw that there were two different Americas. That was the America that I knew and that everybody around me had the same problem. There was, a, there was a particular thread that ran through every hood across America. Every hood that I went to was always the same. Mm -hmm. And then we always look at another part of America and we'd be like, yo, how do they get that? And I was like, the reason why in my mind was because they have access to a different type of information. Mm -hmm. So is it information or is it an environment? So it's a combination of both, right? So people like to talk about racism a lot. And while it does exist, I think classism is a completely different animal. It's what a does that big mean? animal. So classism is there's a group of people, no matter your color, that has a different information, pedigree, status, access. and access. Yeah that other people don't have. Doesn't matter what race or religion or where you're Doesn't from. Doesn't matter. So how do people get into that class, even if they don't fit the majority of the class, mm. look like the majority or mm. come from the majority of that mm -hmm. class? So. Where it could look like racism. Yes, So, and that's the thing, like, even though racism exists, but it's, it, it exists on a bigger picture at a smaller scale. Mm -hmm. So what, this is my introduction to it, is understanding that Classism says, this is how our family is set up. Look, I'm going to use you for example. Mm -hmm. Your father says, listen, you need to learn how to invest. 
You need to learn how to start a business. But also, I want you to meet so-and-so's son. Mm. I want you to meet so-and-so's brother. I want you to meet so-and-so's daughter. I want you to go to this school. I want you to go to this party with me. And so information gets passed down. Mm. Life insurance get passed down. Wills, trust get passed down. Those type of things help you get access to rooms that me or these people over mm-hmm. here Don't will never you. see. I want to be in the room where that happens. Yeah. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> and so I was like, that's it. Yeah. That's it. The information mm-hmm. is what changes everything. Right. And so I had this saying, education and information changes the conversation. Mm-hmm. If you change the conversation, you can change the compensation. Mm-hmm. If you can change the compensation, you can change the realization. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. It's because if I can get access to information, just something simple as investing. When I started teaching my homies about investing, I was like, yo, in order to be wealth, you got to own something. You can't, you can't be, a, you cannot create wealth if you don't own nothing. If you don't own nothing, you're just a consumer. And if you don't own nothing and you're a consumer and you don't teach your kids how to own nothing, then now you've let them inherit it being a consumer. Yeah. They have the same education, information, and repetition that you created. They're going to repeat what they see. Yeah. And if nobody breaks it, nobody's a disruptor, right? No one becomes a disruptor. So now it's, well, I don't, I've never seen wealth. So I probably can't be wealthy. Let me just live my life like whatever. Let me live my life for me. Let me just keep buying things, right? Let me, let me work hard every day. And the little time I do get some free cash, because I work so hard for it, I need some type of self-gratification. I need some type of reprieve from this. I don't care if I can't afford it. Sacrifice, what am I sacrificing for? It's hard paying these bills. It, no, I'm not about to do that. And so now Christmas becomes the day where we go broke buying liabilities. Yeah. Right? We we have more month left than money all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? We are, again, we are financially deprived mm-hmm. because we have no relationship with money. Whereas this other class says, listen, assets are the blood of the oxygen to this. Right? Let me teach you about taxes. Let me teach you the importance of life insurance. Mm-hmm. Let me teach you the importance of this, right? Let me teach you the importance of, you may not like this person. Check this out. You may not like this person, but just because you don't like them don't mean you can't do business with them, mm. right? Because they have access to such and such that you don't. So right. well, over here is if you don't like them, kill them. Mm. You don't like them, you know, have let them know you don't like them. Right. Let them know there's animosity right there. Because I wanted to, like, there's a, the way that the world is viewed is two completely different ways. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And so because of that, this set of people, until they get exposed to it, until this class of people gets exposure, everyone will repeat that cycle. Yeah. Whereas this class of people, if you repeat, if you do anything less than what we've done already, like, what is your problem? You know what I'm saying? Why won't you be great? Yeah. Right? And so once I understood that, I was like, I get it. I get it. Right. 
this this is the game changer. So when you when you knew you had a year left in prison, mm. did you have a game plan? Was there a mindset of like, okay, I've been studying for eight eight years plus years, nine yeah. years, and here's my next three moves? Or were you like, I you know, obviously if you don't have money, you got to work a job for a certain periods, so right. you can invest to mm -hmm. own something, mm -hmm. whether it be stocks, mm -hmm. uh, your own house, or mm -hmm. real estate, or equity in something. You've mm -hmm. got to make money to be invested, or you could borrow it from someone mm -hmm. and invest it, but then you got to pay something off. So what were the next three moves after you got out of jail? So the idea was to come home, I'm not going to lie, I was like, yo, I could be Warren Buffett. <laughs> right away, like I two like, years. I could be Warren Buffett. Because you know, when you're in prison, like, you paint this picture. Mm -hmm. And you never know who you really are until you jump in the water. Mm. Right? Because you got to remember, I went to jail at 16. I come home, I'm 26. I'm a completely different man. At this point, the majority of my life has been in prison. Yeah. My developmental years, right. I've been in prison. So my mind was like, all right, cool. I went to the halfway house. Which was, um, you know, you worked six months to a year. Yeah, I, was, I, I had six months. So I remember I came home with like $4,500 mm -hmm. and I bought me a Grand Prix. After you got out of the six months, mm -hmm. you came home with forty hundred. I came home with $4,500 and I said, the first thing I gotta do is I gotta give me a car. I don't even know how to drive. Like, I gotta give me a car. So I remember my cousin, who was a, a preacher at the time, he, uh, he came, got me, and I told him he had an avalanche. And he was like, man, drive. I was like, man, I don't know how. He said, if you don't learn now, you ain't gonna never learn. So I tried the avalanche, and then the next day, he took me to, two days later, he took me to the license place. Mm -hmm. So I get my license. Wow. That's the crazy. lady tells me, she was like, you don't know how to drive, but I've been gone for 10 years. She was like, let me get your license. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> that's, a, that's not good. <laughs> wow. She said, get your that's license. Scary. She said, you deserve it. Wow. I said, yeah, man. And so I remember going to buy my car. And I was broke. Mm. By the time I bought the car, and, and then you're broke now. I'm broke. You already bought something that's a I liability. Car. It's not an asset. You're already losing <laughs> your money. I'm done. I'm like, all right, cool. But I'm like, I could get around. I don't got an actual body there. You got some access. You yeah. got some flexibility. You got I some get around. And so I remember um, I got into school. I was in Baton Rouge. So I, I learned how to weld. Like, all right, I'm going to take this welding trade up. So I took that for six weeks, took fast track welding. So I got certified at that. I came home and I was an iron worker. So I started building schools, paying some power plants. Schools, power plants, prisons, I was doing all of that. And I was like, man, I'm gonna start hustling, man. Mm, going back, you know, it's too hard. This, is, this, this is, work is this not is, worth it. This is not it. This You're is like, not I'm it. not gonna do this for 10 hours I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna do this. For 10 bucks an hour or whatever. Nah, yeah, that's what I was making at the time. I was like, man, I'm not about to do this, man. This is not gonna get me to Warren Buffett fast enough. Right. So I get back in the streets. No way. Got back in the streets. Come on. Got back in the streets, man. Man, even after all that education, all man. that information, and knowing it's the wrong thing, and knowing that it can get you right back in there. Mike Tyson says something that's amazing, man. He says, everybody got a plan until they get punched in the that's face. That's true. You know what I'm saying? I got punched in the face. I was like, man. Again, I'm influenced because I come home. Your environment is that. I so. see it. Mm. I see the cause. I'm broke. I'm like, man, this ain't it. I'm going to work every day and I'm just looking like, man, this ain't gonna, this ain't gonna get it. So I remember taking my check, it's like $600. I got me a pound of weed. I said, we on. 
Oh, man. I'm going to start splitting this up and packing it and dealing it. I start selling weed. Selling weed to the people at work. Uh-oh. Selling weed to the people at home. So I say, all right, I'm going to be smart. I'm not going to hustle all day. I'm going to sell weed at work <laughs> and at home. Right. So I'm doing that. And, you know, I'm making money. You know, I started getting more weed. Like, that was my thing. So I started selling weed and X-Pills. Right? I was like, all right, cool. Like, this is it. So I would sell weed. And on the weekends when I was off, I would go to the clubs, sell X-Pills. I was like, all right, this is it. Like, I see my vision. And in my mind, I said, if I get $100,000, I'm going to quit. No. When are you going to quit that? When are you going to quit? No. <laughs> now <laughs> when I get $300,000. Yeah, it never happens. No way. So, um... 2000, so I come home 2007. In 2009, me and my, one of my friends were in the car together. He had three strikes. The police pull us over. I had just served him a quarter pound of weed. You so, just gave him? Yeah. So he had it on him? He had it on him. Oh! Yeah, and so the police pull us over. He threw it. Oh, my gosh. And the police don't find it. Oh, man. But then something made them come back, and he finds it under the car. Oof. So now me being a friend, I know that my partner can't go to jail for another time. He gone. So I said, man, that's mine. So I was, I was, it may sound stupid, but in my mind, it's like I was smart enough because I knew that I could only get probation because it was my first drug charge. Right. Already got a temper on robbery. One drug charge ain't gonna kill me, right? In my mind. Hey, man. So he like, man, thank you, bro. I'm like, man, it's all good. I ain't tripping. So about two months later. Did you think to yourself, like, okay, now I need to stop this? Or were you like? Nah, that's a little probation talk, man. <laughs> that ain't nothing, man. That's probation. I just did 10 oh years. Gosh. That was probation. Yeah. I'm, I already know they can't give me number probation. Mm-hmm. I'm not even mad at that. So I remember like three months later, they kicked my door in. Oh, no. Eight pounds of weed. Oh, they found it. Ten times, ten thousand dollars. Oh. A 40, 40 um, with extended clip on a beam, a two twenty-three and a hundred X pills. When the people kicked my door in, I remember <laughs> the man looked at my TV and the stock market was on. And he said, You watching the stock market and this what you doing? And immediately in that moment, I said, I done effed up. Oh, you said this out loud? Yeah. Dope part about that was I was able to get found not guilty because oh they kicked my door in with no search warrant. Right, right, right. So it's called fruit of a poisonous tree. Oh, my gosh. So I was able to get found not guilty on that. And in charge of my partner, we did what's called um, the Crosby plea, saying that I cobbed out only in my best interest. And then when it went to the full circuit court, they was able to throw it away. So I got away with a clean slate. Oh you know how state of Louisiana. Anybody looking at that, go look that up. <laughs> <laughs> so, but how long was that process, that energy? Was it three months, six months? Nah, that was, so, I came home in 2007. That was 2009. From 2009 to 2012, I was fighting those charges. Oh, my gosh. it's a lot of energy. It's a lot. And it broke me. Yeah. And I remember, after that, I broke again. Now you got all, yeah, you got court fees, you got lawyer fee, whatever it is. I start robbing a dope dealer. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, man. So robbing, this is what I know. 2012, yeah. 2012, <clears throat> I start robbing a dope dealer. So I'm like, all right, a friend of mine, he used to be with it. 
So we robbing. He like, bro, what we doing? I'm like, man, we robbing dude boys now. Oh my gosh, man. This what we doing. We robbing dude boys. This you're what not we selling, you're robbing. We just robbing now. What they can do? All they Kill can do. Here. All they, <laughs> like I was successful for a while. And then I almost we almost I almost got killed. Oh my gosh. And I remember we was doing hit doing a situation and I forgot something. The dude put a 12 gauge on the back of my head. And he said, all the knockers is it all. And in my mind, I remember it's not about to go out. But my partner was there, God bless his soul. He said, bro, look, I can't stop you from killing my homie. But if you kill him, though, you're going to die right with him. Mm. The next best thing you can do is let him go, and I promise I'm going to let you go. God was with me. Wow. Dude, let me go. I remember us getting out of there and I say, though, I'm finished. Like, I found out guilty twice and this situation happened. Yeah, you're like, I can't do it. I'm going to die in the next three years or I'm back to jail for life. Say, I'm good. And I committed to it. So, but then you go back to welding or something and you're like, I start back doing ironwork heavy. But you're making 11 bucks an hour. Now I'm doing good. So now I was still doing a little bit. So now I was building stadiums (laughs) and power plants. So I'm making $2,500 a week now. So I had them build my craft up. I, okay. I had them got good, and I was getting like twenty five dollars, thirty two dollars. Okay, an hour. so you're building that up. Yeah, I had them build that up. So now I was like, man, I'm, I'm I quit. You're making twenty five an hour an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm, now I'm bringing home two thousand dollars a week. It's not bad. Good working, man. It's great work. Good. It's good like, money, man. I still had it. You're making six me. figures. Yeah, I was making like a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's not bad, 120000 man. Hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. That's amazing. Yeah, it's like a lot good. of money. I was good, but like I'm a hustler. But it's just in me. Yeah. But. I never went back to the streets. That's when I started taking this serious. 2014, I said, man, you playing the wrong game, bro. And I was still, the crazy part was, on a journey, I was still teaching my homies in the street about the stock market. Oh my gosh. I was literally telling them. But you weren't doing it yourself. Yeah, I was still investing. Oh, you weren't doing it? I was still investing. This one made me take it serious. When they kicked my doing, they froze my bank account. Oh man. They took my truck but they didn't mess with my stocks. Oh my gosh. And I said, oh, they don't think we that smart. All right. Uh, let me show them. Cool. Yeah. So I really just started telling my homies in the street, like, say, bro, like, this way you should put your money at. Mm. Don't put your money in. Nope. Put your money right here. And so they didn't get it. Invest in, invest yeah. in something that can give value to Invest people. it. Yeah. We wear Nikes all the time. We should own Nike. Should own stock in Nike. We should own stock in yeah. Nike. All us got Apple, iPhones. This in the beginning. Mm, we should own iPhones. Yeah. I'm like, yo, like we were at Dickies and Timberlands. That's owned by a company called VFC Corp. We could own that. Like we were at Louis Vuitton, Moet. We drank Moet. We drank Hennessy. That's LVMH on the stock market. We were at Gucci. That's PPRUY on the stock market. We got AT and T. Like, bro, we can own this. Just be like, man, we go to the stock market crash. I'm like, if it crashes, you just buy more. And so then, like, some of them got them, some of it didn't. But then I started, I had to switch it. I was like, well, what happens if you go to jail today or tomorrow? You come home with no money. You got money in the stock market. What happens? Mm. You don't owe nobody nothing. You come home with some money. More money. And so I started preaching it to my homies. Mm. And that's when financial literacy really changed my life. Because at this point, I was dedicated to, like, I knew that the streets wasn't for me no more. Like, I hadn't already been through all the phases. I did the 10 years in prison. I got found not guilty. My life had been on the line several times. True. I'm still here. I was like, yo, like, God got something different for me. Wow. Again, that's why I said I was developed in the darkness. It ain't nothing that nobody can say about the streets that I ain't never did. Nothing. 
So for me, yeah. it's like, from that, okay, I looked at myself like, I'm the person who can teach them because, just being real, if somebody go to them street dudes with a suit and tie, they're not going to feel that. You yeah. ain't been through what I've been through. So now I wanted to represent something different. I wanted to represent Wall Street in a way that I'm going to wear my hoodie, I'm going to wear my teen tops, I'm going to wear my tennis shoes, but I got the same information. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can help you change your life. I can teach you the game that they playing if you wouldn't learn it and it reminds you of the game. And so that's when my life shifted, when I started taking this serious and I started saying, I'm going to be the first person in my family to build wealth. Mm. I'm going to be the first person in my family to have a trust. I'm going to be the first person in my family to own land. I'm going to be the first, like, and I'm going to teach a bunch of dope dealers how to do the same thing. Mm. But then my mission got bigger because I realized it wasn't just the dope dealers. It was people that was working nine to fives every day that still didn't see a way out. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to teach them too. All right, let me just let me just start educating my people. Let me start educating this class right. of people. You know what I'm saying? Because now if we can get this information, now we can <clears> start <throat> saying wealth is possible. Right. And when was the first big win? I guess legitimate win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was it like okay, I invested in a stock and I saw like a five to ten x? Mm-hmm. Was it? So you I teaching remember. and getting paid for your service, and mm-hmm. you know, educating people and getting paid for that. Was it? So for me, the first, I'll never forget this. Um, a friend of mine was in a jam. And at this time, I had been teaching him since 2014, so maybe like 2016, 2017. And one of his spots got kicked in. He had no more money. He was like, bro, I don't got no money. I don't got nothing. I said, man, sell the stocks. Sell the stocks. And at this time. So he had invested in stocks a couple years prior. Mm-hmm. They had been, like, I had, like, I've always been a leader. Like, I've... Are they setting up like a TD Ameritrade yeah. account or whatever? Like I'm, walk, like, I'm literally walking my <laughs> homies through the process. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm walking them through, like, look, we got to get a bank account. Yeah, and then put the money, legitimate put the money, money in, in the, the bank head. account, bro. <laughs> like, put the money in the bank account, bro. And um, I remember he was like, man, I need lawyer money. Because I had told him, if you put the money in the market, just forget about it. Just let it go. That money's gone. Just let it go. It's going to keep making you money. It's going to... Your, your money now becomes your employees. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Dollars so, multiplying. The do- it's working for you. It's working for you. A dollar that ain't moving is a dollar that's losing. Yeah. So if a dollar that's consistently attracting more money, that's your employee. You sending them out there to go get more money. They recruiters for you. And so, and I said something like, think about this dope game. Like, if you know this company got some good dope, then you know this company gonna be around for a long mm-hmm. time. And so I remember he sold like $8,000 of the stock. And it helped him from going to prison. Because hmm. he was able to hire a lawyer. He was able to and, get yeah. a lawyer. And he ain't hustled since then. Wow. And so it be, the moments for me don't be about myself. It be moments like that wow. where I know somebody can say, because of this, like, this helped my life. Mm. This impacted my life. This changed my life. This made me see my money different. This made me feel like I, this was possible. Like, that's the power of financial literacy. That's the power of saying, now I got the right information. Mm-hmm. Like, information would change our whole life. And so that was it. Now, for me, it was saying, like, first it was like, here's a thousand, I got $1,000 invested. I got $10,000 invested. 
I got fifteen thousand dollars invested. And so for me, I started using the market also as like a savings account. Yeah. Because I know that my money wasn't making no money in a savings account. Mm-hmm. So I started buying like index funds. Yep. Like all right, I'll just buy the index funds and I treat them like style. My, yep. That'll be my that'll be my savings account, and then I'll do individual stocks for my real investments. So if I can get eight to ten percent on an index fund, that's better than zero point one zero one cent in a savings account. All right, cool. That's my that's my savings account then, and it started. It's a mind game with me. If I got the money in the index fund and I'm using the index fund as a savings account, as long as I see the money working for me, I'm not gonna touch it. Right. In a savings account, what happens is I see the money. I can take it out. I can easy. take it out easy. Yeah. Right. And so it's all of those little tricks and those little nuances that make us be like, why I ain't never learned this? Mm-hmm. And so you start to realize that the reason why the elitists can't teach financial literacy to certain people is because then they lose customers. Mm. A lot of wealthy people can't teach financial literacy to poor people because those are the biggest customers. Who else gonna be the consumers? Mm. The lion can never tell the zebra or the giraffe how to get away, or the gazelle how to get, what are you gonna eat? Mm-hmm. If the lion tells the zebra or the gazelle how to get away, they're gonna tell everybody else. Not a lion, no longer the king of the jungle or the king of the safari, it's a vegan. you know what I'm saying nothing against veganism but it's why would I teach you how to be a financial predator financial predators need financial prey Mm. so if you look at my community now you see check cash in places what does a check cash in place do the check cash if I get $100 you gotta get a check cash in place $150 that's taking away money from you right and the reason why check cash in place is gonna always have be prevalent in the hood because people have no relationship with money. Mm. So they they said that the average person spends a dollar and twenty five cent for every one dollar they make. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like that's horrible. So you have more people living above their means. You have more people like saying, "I gotta get this. I gotta get that." And one thing I've learned, like even about wealthy people, what I love is that there is never a I have to have this. It's about Assets first, mm-hmm. saving second, spend was left. Right. And the hood is the other way around. It's spend first, bills. If I save, if I have enough to save, then I might save until I find something else I won't yeah, buy. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's always like for me and where I'm at now, my journey is how do I now make financial literacy prevalent mm-hmm. in everybody that comes from the class where I come from? Cause I know some poor ass white people too. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm poor white you people. You feel me? Yeah. So it's like, how do I now teach them the importance of financial literacy? And mm-hmm. so now we feel like we can have leverage in the game. Because now, you know, you tell some, like, I get pride of somebody saying, man, I bought my first stock. Mm-hmm. That's the power of owning that first stock is a game changer. Yeah. Because you're talking people who ain't never owned nothing a day in their life. So my motto is always, Helping the culture build wealth one share at a time. One share at a time, yeah. One share. At Instead a time. of being consuming everything, start owning something. Owning something. Even if it's one stock, one, one index fund, you know, a, a piece of real estate from a real mm-hmm. estate investment. Um, you don't have to buy a whole house. Nope. You know, you can buy twenty dollars share of stock. That's you it. Know, and then That's let it. that work for you. Let it work. And then over time, what what I know about Human nature is progress breeds like addiction. Absolutely. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, you start seeing something, you're like, what? We get more of this. I want more of that. You go to the gym, you see one little muscle. Yeah, I want more. <laughs> it's funny, I saw, um, you know, I get a, I get a dividends every month from a real, mm. real estate that I'm involved in, right? Okay. So I get a, this morning, right before you came in, I, I just opened up my email and there was three notifications of mm. different payments from three different real estate mm. uh, properties I'm invested in. Yeah. That I invested in a few years ago, right? And every month I get a check. Mm-hmm. From money that I invested in years mm-hmm. ago, that money's not sitting in the bank just like depreciating in mm-hmm. value with inflation. I'm not blowing it on some car or something. I got a car, it's great. Right. I don't need more clothes. Right. I'm putting it into things that can bring me passive income yes. to then pay my bills. Yes. And then the extra cash that I have, I put it into more assets yes. to help me pay my bills, hire more people on my team, and help mm-hmm. serve my mission. Mm-hmm. And I think that's. Uh, you know, and I see that, I'm like, man, I wish I would have put more in. Yes. You, know, you always think, that's uh, always it. I should have bought more, more of that stock. I should have mm-hmm. bought more of that real estate. Mm-hmm. And you can always get started now putting more in. Yes. Um, what should be th- people thinking about when it comes to investing then? How do they know what to invest in and mm-hmm. to not, because you can invest in something and lose all your money. Yes. So what approach do you give to people there? So I always say the first thing is, and I say this and I, I want people to understand this, Invest in what you understand. Mm-hmm. So if Not you wear so, Nikes. Yeah, you should be looking at apparel brands, mm-hmm. right? Nike, Lululemon, because you understand that, right? If you a workout person, then you should be looking at like Planet Fitness, things like that. Like if you are a tech person, if you use an Apple phone, you should 100% be on looking at Apple, right? If you're a car person, like, but one of the things I like now is FinTech, mm-hmm. financial technology. So everybody uses PayPal or Square, right? That is the way money is changing. Mm-hmm. The way we using money is completely different now. So I think everybody should be investing in fintech right now, 100%. But I look at it as, so every investor has what's called an investor identity. Like what you're willing to risk, your risk tolerance, what companies you're more familiar with. If you're a doctor, then you know more about medicine. So you should be in biotech or Pharmacies, healthcare, you should that should be your thing. If you are again a, a person who is in software, mm-hmm. then cybersecurity, software, that's where you're going to be strong at. And that's where your strong points are. I remember Warren Buffett said for a long time he didn't understand technology. So he didn't buy technology. He didn't buy Apple stock until like 2017. Mm. He's like, I don't understand it. I don't even have a computer. I don't use it. Yeah. I don't even use it. Right? So I learned that from him. He says, I put things in a too hard box. If it's too hard for me to understand, I don't, I don't do it. And what I love about investing is it's not an IQ sport. It's not about who has the biggest IQ mm-hmm. at all because it's mostly about how do I stay in my circle of competence and what I understand because that's what gives me the advantage. Mm-hmm. Whatever I under, like for me, it's banks. Like I love banks, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, love it. Fintech, love it. Still dealing with, like, I love money. I'm a hustler. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I love that. And so that's why I'm, like, heavy at. Sure. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not a, I'm not a biopharmaceutical right, person. Right. So, so I stay away from it. that. Yeah. How do I stay away from it? Right? Yeah. So the, 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 the easiest thing is, like, wherever you work at, like, look around. Mm-hmm. Wherever you shop at, look around. Mm-hmm. Every time I buy a product, I'm looking at who made it. So I can go look that up, see if it's a public company, if it's mm-hmm. a private company, right? If it's public, that means we can all invest into it. If I can invest into it, I want a piece of it. 
You know what I'm saying? Just to keep it simple. We don't even sure. have to make it hard. Right. right? You don't have to be Warren Buffett out the gate. Right? You don't have to be that. Like, Warren Buffett didn't become Warren Buffett until 20 years, 30 years in. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So you got to figure <laughs> out who you are as a person, who you are right. as an investor that take you to that next level. Do you have a strategy where every month you're automatically putting money away into investments or when you get a chunk of money, then you're putting a certain percent into it? What's your m- mindset around investing in terms of how often you do it, how frequently you're putting it? Oh, yeah. Money? So every time I get money, at least 50% of it goes to investing. Really? Yeah, 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 I'm heavy with it. I could do a lot with less. Yeah. Like, I don't live my life like that. I literally, and I would say this on camera, I only have like $10,000 sitting in the bank. Mm-hmm. My life, if something happens to me, my life is not set up in a way where I need a lot of money mm. on hand. Mm-hmm. And you could always sell stock and, and nothing, get money. You know, so for me, it's I do three things every time I get some money. I invest with my daughter first, mm-hmm. and then I invest with myself. And then I see what else got to be paid. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. even when investing for myself and I'm putting money in the market, I'm sometimes just putting it in my account so it's available for me to use. The right time. When the time permits. Right. So every week I'm putting money in. OK, let me put this money in my account. Then I have separate account because I got portfolios that are designed to do different things for me. Right. So I have a dividend portfolio, whereas everything in that portfolio is about me having businesses that pay dividends. Yeah. So I got Costco. T. Rowe Price, Home Depot, um, Old Realty, companies mm-hmm. like that, that is just designed for me to get dividends. Yeah. So even, if, mind, even if it's only 20, 30 bucks a month, it's something. Man, that's like, it. And so I look at it as, okay, this will this will be passive income 39. I won't need this until I'm 59, 60. Right? And it keeps reinvesting it keeps in itself. It keeps reinvesting. Yeah, yeah. And so now they buy me more shares of themselves. All right, cool. And then one portfolio mm-hmm. I use for growth stocks. So, all right, this is where my Apple's at and my fintech companies, my PayPal's and Affirm's and things like that. Because now I'm going to get a lot of growth. That's why I'm taking more risk right here. Right? And then there's an option portfolio I have where I trade at. So now I got three portfolios. So I have to do three different things when they have three different agendas. And I got a Roth IRA. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's tax, you know, for tax advantages. So that's financial literacy. Mm-hmm. And right. life insurance, life, whole life, life insurance. insurance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, got whole life insurance, yeah. right? So understanding, just understanding how the wealthy play the game. Mm-hmm. I just bought 40 acres of land, mm-hmm. right? I said, I'm, I'm going to create agriculture. Why? Because agriculture gets more breaks than anybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I bought 40 acres of land, free and clear. It's mine. I'm going to turn it to a farm, right? Grow organic food, organic vegetables. I got water well on it. Wow. Right? Cool. Like, all right, cool. Let's do that. Tax advantages for this. Anything comes off the land, I can I get breaks on that. So it's me sitting back saying, this is how the wealthy play the game of life. Not in survival mode, but in offense. Mm-hmm. The moment you can switch from survival mode to offense, the game changes. Mm. The more aggressive team in the game, the more aggressive boxing in the game, the more aggressive, like, that's when the game is played. Again, class of people are used to life dictating them. I'm going to take the punches. I didn't come. Right. How you doing, man? You know, I'm making it. Yeah. The responses be different. Man, what's up? How you feeling, man? Man, I'm making it, man. Well, you ask somebody, well, what's up, man? Just close out on a deal. Yeah. You know, got a couple business meetings. Like, I love attacking life. Mm-hmm. And it don't have to be 
it don't always have to be going the way you want. As long as you attacking it. Mm-hmm. Every day I get up saying, yo, I got an opportunity to go attack. Right? Every I got an opportunity to change something, to make sure, turn my last name into an asset. Right? Mm. Turn my last name into an asset. That's cool. Like, own my 24 hours. That's the goal. Like, the person who can own their 24 hours can create freedom. Right. That's the difference between financial freedom and then financial independence. What's the difference? So, financial independence is saying, I now can make money for myself. I don't got to worry about my job. I don't got to worry about none of that. I can create the cash flow that comes to my house. Financial freedom says... Money is no longer even an issue. Big difference. Mm-hmm. Because even someone who can create money for themselves still doesn't have freedom all the time. Right. You can be an entrepreneur and be a slave to the business. You, you build yourself a job. You build yourself a job. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But financial freedom says your money is not even an issue no more. Right. And, it, and that don't even have to be a lot. Right. Whatever you... That's why I feel like some people... Um, have this fantasy of entrepreneurship as like this ideal lifestyle. This <laughs> where I, I don't think people understand the weight of a being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and how long it actually takes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hear great stories of mm-hmm. people that are like, oh, I built this thing and then sold it for a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. That usually took 10, 15, yeah. 20, 20 years. Yeah. And so many punches in the face and the mm-hmm. gut and ups and downs. Um, but most businesses fail after a few years. And the ones that succeed, a lot of the entrepreneurs are just working really hard to pay themselves mm-hmm. uh, a salary mm-hmm. and take more responsibility, mm-hmm. weight and pressure, taxes, you know, insurance, all these things they got to pay until they learn to break through. Yep. And so it's not like the sexiest thing. Oh, no. it, it takes time and energy yeah. and a real persistence. I remember that, like just before the show, I asked you. I said, outside of consistency, yeah, like, what was one of the things? And you was like, man, now. And I was like, this nine years. Yeah. Like. Most people quit year one, year two. Like, mm-hmm. nope, this is too much for me. I, lot, I can't man. deal with it. It's pressure, right? But there's this thing about getting up. And let me say that I don't think there's nothing wrong with anybody working a job. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think entrepreneurship is for everybody. I don't think it is, man. Right? But I do know that building wealth is for everybody. Absolutely. And you can take your money you're making from your job and invest it so it's working for you. It should be your biggest investment. And that's what you were doing. That's what I did. But I feel too that like, I think that everybody should at least once in their life go all in on something. Mm. Something that you just believe in. That's living to me. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I always, like, I don't need motivation because when I look at my life, my motivation is saying I'll never go back to that again. Right. My motivation is saying that I have a daughter that I never want her to experience that life, right? So getting up every day knowing that I can change my family, knowing that we are now in a time where we've never had the opportunity like we have now. And if I don't take advantage of that opportunity, when it's time for me to go, I'm gonna feel real messed up about that. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Absolutely. Because I don't, it's the difference between never getting the opportunity and getting the opportunity and never taking advantage Absolutely, of it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. How has mental health played in, into your life Ooh. with the, uh, the journey of learning how to heal so much trauma, pain, memories, experiences, not only as a kid, not only as in prison, but Six, seven years ago when yeah. you were still doing a lot of things that yeah. were 
you know, against the law and out of integrity. And yeah. how do you learn to emotionally heal so much? I'm still healing. Yeah. I just told you I got to get your book, man. I know, man. I know. <laughs> when you told me, I, oh, I got to get that. I'm still healing. Mm -hmm. Man, I just, it's crazy because I just had a moment last night. I was talking to my mother and we got an okay relationship because she still got a lot of trauma mm -hmm. and pain that she mm -hmm. deal with. And it's hard for me to attempt to heal, run a business, and be aware that mm -hmm. she has healing to do. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, that'd be a lot. So, um, just last night, I was like, I can't take this, man. I, I can't do this. This is, I can't do all this. You know what I'm saying? It's because I was trying to deal with her situation emotionally and rationalize the logic, then deal with, okay, I got to do this, 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 this. I'm trying to do this. And it was just a lot. And I had to step back. And me, and my, me and my daughter's mother have a great relationship. And I told her, Man, healing, this was my exact word last night. I said, man, healing is a lifelong process. Mm -hmm. I said, man, this stuff takes forever. She said, oh, you just thought she was going to heal overnight? <laughs> your daughter said this? No, my daughter's mother. Oh, I was going to say, man, your daughter's nah, wise. Nah, nah, my daughter's mother. I said, man, healing is a lifelong process. Yeah. She said, what, you thought you was going to heal overnight? And it's, it's understanding emotionally. So there's three phases in my life. Well, more than three, but you got to realize there was me before prison, just seeing, viewing, observing, seeing the violence. Like, I not only saw my mom get yeah. shot, but I also saw overdose, right? So, rationalizing that. Me being homeless for a couple years of my life at a young age. Then, me going to prison, adapting to a completely different lifestyle. Then, coming home as a grown man, nobody's gonna give you handouts. So, now I have to realize who I am as a free man. A free grown man. Right. Then, in that process of learning who I am, I'm fighting cases again. Right? And then we go to, okay, well, this is not it. I'm just going to you know, get into robbery. Because the only leverage I feel like I have in life at these points is leveraging my life. Mm. Right. The only leverage, the only fighting thing, I, the only, like, I, I, don't, I don't know at the moment how to leverage information and knowledge. Mm. The only thing that I knew that I had was my life. Right. So, okay, freedom or prison. I mean, prison or debt, uh, it's the only thing I can... So it's it's now breaking away from that and now being a leader, being an influential, pers influential person in my communities, around the people, now accepting that because no one teaches you how to be a leader. Mm -hmm. No one teaches you how yeah, to do man. it. You got to learn that on the fly. It's hard. You got to learn, okay, I can't say this, I can't say that, and then social media is something different. And so I'm learning that. Yeah. I'm still learning how to heal. I'm still learning. I'm still praying more. You know, I got to, just was talking about, like, yeah, we got to get back with the therapist, right? And just so I can brain dump. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I got into journaling, like, getting these thoughts out of yeah. my head, listening to stuff like Atomic Habits and, mm -hmm. you know, just stuff like that. So I'm, I'm still healing. Um, and I know it's going to be a lifelong process because you got to remember, I done been shot yeah, before. I done yeah. been shot at. I done did Stabbed, some shooting. Yeah. And, and honestly, if you shoot somebody, you deal with that all your life. What does that feel like? Man, I still have nightmares about that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, in the moment, you feel like I did the right thing. 
Justified. You justify it, right? You you feel like, man, it had to be done. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I think maybe the difference in a lion when he eats a gazelle is it's on to the next one. Mm. Right? But human nature comes in. You got to live with the consequence. Yeah, like, I, I, mean, I almost killed that man. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, when you deal with that, and and, 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 and it never goes away. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it never goes away. And part of you, you know, I'll have, like, right now, like, I don't even be wanting to be around guns. Right. You know, like, man, I'm good, man. Like, I don't want to go to the gun range, bro. Like, it's not worth it. Nah, it bring me, it bring me, to, it bring me back to a place of my life where I was. And I feel like the only way for me to move forward is sometimes you got to, like, disattach yourself from certain environments, certain mm-hmm. things. So I'd be like, nah, man, I, I honestly don't even like listening to music that has a lot of, that talk a lot mm-hmm. of gangster talk. Because, one, I lived it, and it brings in a different emotion in me. I, like, nah, I don't, mm-hmm. if I'm going to be here, I don't want to get into that emotion. And I know with music, most people are telling their story. Mm-hmm. I don't want to relive that story. Right. That's I'm part of my to, healing. Trying to create a new story. Yeah, so that's part of my healing. So I'm always healing, man. What do you think would be the uh, the three big things you need to take on or let go of in order to get to a completely different level in your life mm. one year from today? Mm. So when, when I see you in a year in Atlanta or in L.A., yeah. and you're like, I did these three things mm-hmm. or I let go of these three things, mm-hmm. and it took me to another level of financial abundance, mm-hmm. another level of emotional freedom mm-hmm. and healing, what would those things be? Three things that I would let go. Um, or take on. Or take on. Um, one is... More mentoring. Mentoring more people. No, me getting You mentoring. getting more mentorship, yeah. Yeah, because I think that um, life, I think everyone should have a mentor. Mm-hmm. Because we should always be learning. Yeah. Right? And it doesn't always have to be with finances. It can just be with life experiences. So I think one of the things for me is like finding, a, like I had a mentor. Now I'm, I think I outgrew him a little bit, so I'm ready to get another one. So one is mentoring um, that I would I would love to take on. Um, two is truly cleaning up the way I eat mm-hmm. because you are one hundred percent a reflection of what you eat. Absolutely right. So I already don't drink, I don't smoke, but my eating habit is not the best. Yeah. And the third one would be actually just um, sitting still. Mm-hmm. Like I move around so much. In the process of doing this and doing this, I think one of the things that's important for us is to sit still. I pray a lot already. Mm -hmm. And I think when you sit still, you can get clarity and you can get instructions. Mm -hmm. Right? I think we move around so much, we don't get to get the instruction. I think everybody here has an assignment. Right? Mm -hmm. Everybody here has an assignment. If you're moving around so much, you can never hear the assignment. Mm-hmm. People always say, follow your passion, follow your passion. I think it should be follow your purpose. Mm-hmm. Because the assignment is attached to your purpose. And it's not to get real spiritual or crazy on people, but I just feel like the only way you get that assignment is you sit down and talk to the person who gave it to you. Right. Mm. Your creator. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You sit down and talk to the person who gave it to you. And the only way you could do that, the only way they can talk to you, whoever it is, 
is when you're sitting still. Mm-hmm. So for me, it would be getting like more mentors. I want to have a mentor at all times because what, again, it reverts back to where I came from. It was OGs that taught you a lot of stuff and they only could teach you what they knew. Mm-hmm. So you became a reflection of that. And then if you didn't have an OG to tell you something, you freestyled it. Yeah. And the freestyling you made cost it you yeah. it cost you a lot. A lot of mistakes, a lot of hard times, a lot of money. And some people who freestyled it, it cost them their life. So for me, I take on those same principles and say, okay, like, not only am I a leader, not only am I influential, but my goal is to be a person who can change or be a ve- vessel for change. And because it's all new to me, I need somebody who's already took on that journey. Yeah. I'm always talking about investing in coaches and mentors. Yeah, I love that, man. And uh, I have a coach in pretty much every area of my life. Yeah. And I think it's it's hard to think we can do something on our own <laughs> if we've never done it before. If you've never done it before. It's hard to think that we can do it consistently when things get challenging and hard uh, without some type of you know, emotional support from a friend, mm-hmm. an accountability buddy, a mm-hmm. coach, a mentor, whatever it is, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. I'm a big fan of investing in it so you're accountable to that time oh, yeah. with that mentor or finding some skin in the game mm-hmm. with the coach or mentor. And if you don't have the money right away, then you could find mentors without investing yeah. that, but finding other ways to add value. And I think that's um, such a massive, massive yeah, part is. of my growth and my success is being around the right people. Yeah, like, it changes, like... I understood at first. I at first out. So I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. So a lot of me is always, man. I got this. I could do this. I don't need nobody to teach me that. I can do this. <laughs> you know, like you. You know, it it be hard. But as you start to put that ego to the side and yeah. say, nah, like I can learn something from that person. This person can teach me something. Let me humble myself to learn this lesson. Because if I learn this lesson from them. That's less heartache and pain I got to yeah. go through. And learning from that person speeds up my process. Absolutely. There's so many things I learned from my three older siblings <laughs> that I didn't repeat. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, And I mentioned before, my brother went to prison when I was eight. I went to the prison with my family almost every weekend to visit in the visiting hour, mm. the visiting room. And I was like, I don't want to be here. Mm. You know, I want to make sure that I don't go down this path. Mm. I started doing things when I was 12. 11 to like 12 and a half, 13, where I started doing petty stuff. I was stealing like candy bars mm-hmm, and cigarettes, mm-hmm, like whatever. Mm-hmm, I was just mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. as a high. And I did it almost every day for probably a year, year and a half. I had to steal something. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. it's crazy to think, but I remember getting caught once. Mm. And I got caught by my dad. Mm. I didn't even get caught by a store. <laughs> right? I remember getting caught and feeling like, and I was kind of hanging out with the wrong group, just doing things that I wasn't really proud of myself, little stupid stuff. I remember thinking like, mm, if I keep doing this, here's where it could go. Mm-hmm. If I, maybe it doesn't happen the next year or two, but three, four, five years, if I keep doing these same actions, mm-hmm. I'm gonna get more of these results. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna feel bad about myself, I'm gonna get caught, I'm gonna hurt other people along the way, and who knows what consequences could come from that. So I remember in that moment, I was like, I'm never stealing or doing anything like this ever again. Mm. Like, I need to change my environment. Mm. I need to change my mindset around this. 
and I like begged my parents to send me away to a school around kids that I, mm. a, a private school, they sent yeah. me to a private boarding school. Yeah. Begged them to send me to this place to get me out of the environment. Which you're talking about with your daughter, like mm-hmm. sending her to, to a class yeah. of an environment that speaks differently, that has a different, you know, mindset. Everything. Behaviors, all it's that important. stuff. important. Like, that environment is so crucial. Mm. Like, even just being around, so like, for me, being around people that understand the importance of investing, not only just, not just know, yeah, not just spending their money, but yeah, investing, but investing yeah. the money, investing in their personal development, investing in their business, investing in teaching them how to run businesses, invest like being around them, and we be like, damn, I gotta invest in myself too, right? Right, like, and it's something we take for granted, and being around people who understand that a certain amount of money isn't what you may see though. That's a lot of money. Somebody like, no, I may spend that on investing in myself. I may spend it on buying assets. Like, understanding that people who build businesses are different. Like, damn, like, that's, you build that business? Like, okay. Those conversations change your life. Yeah. It's environment. If I'm in, if I'm in the hood, if I'm in my community, and I'm telling people about investing and doing this and them, and all they want to do is party and drink, then no matter how positive I am, at some point, I'm going to say, this ain't working, man. Let's go party and drink. Mm-hmm. Right? All right, cool. If you're around people that they complaining about their bills and their bosses and they working every day, then that's not an environment that's conducive to you being successful. That's not an environment that's conducive to change. Mm-hmm. It's, only, it's only so long that you can flirt with the other side of what you want that you become that. Yeah. And like, if you want to be healthy, if you want to work out, you it's only so long you can work, chill with people that won't go to all your e-buffets all the time where right. you can be like, you know what, I might as well eat this too. You got to change your identity <sighs> in, the, in the process too. Evolution. Yeah, you got to change the identity and, you know, say, I don't do these things. That's not part of my identity. That's it. Yeah. Hey, I read this book. I can't think of what it was. And it said, uh, there, were two, there were two people that were... Uh, Attempting to quit smoking cigarettes. One person said, when offered a cigarette, they said, yo, I'm trying to quit. I'm trying to quit smoking. I'm good. And the other person said, no, I don't smoke anymore. Mm. The person who said, I doesn't smoke, I don't smoke anymore, immediately changed their identity. Yeah. The person that said, I'm trying to quit smoking, still associated themselves with smoking. So it's only a matter of time before they say, well, let me hit the cigarette one time. I'm trying to, but Because I'm trying to, but it's not. And so that is important. When you decide I'm not, this is not what I do anymore. It's not my identity. Then you just have to keep saying that every time it tries to come up. No, it's not my identity. I'm not doing that anymore. It's part of who you are. You change that. You evolve, Mm -hmm. and the evolution in who you are should be ongoing. Because who I am today, I won't be that person in 90 days or six months. Some aspects of me have changed. It's going to change, and I want that. I've never, I've never let people especially on this part of my journey, hold me to one layer of who I once was. Man, you used to do this. I know I used to because I wasn't this person. I'm, I'm not that no more. I can't be that no more. I have way more to lose now than to even be that or attempt yeah. to be that. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not that. Right? And so that's what, like, that's what, like, I look at me now and see the change. Mm-hmm. I look at me now and say, like, I appreciate where I'm at now, but more importantly, I appreciate like where I'm going. 
I appreciate mm-hmm. the kind. I appreciate the people I'm around right now. I remember I was talking to a close friend of mine, and he got into. He didn't get into nothing. He something had happened. I was like, "Brother, need me? You know I'm here." And he said, "I would never put you in that situation. Mm. I love you too much to bring you there. That I wouldn't love you as a friend if I did that." That showed me like, all right, I'm around the right people. Mm-hmm. I'm around because I come from an era of people where the only way you prove loyalty is through I'm willing to die for you, I'm willing to go to jail for you, crazy, I'm man. willing to do this for you, I'm willing to risk my life for you, I'm willing to leave my family to show you I'm loyal wow. to you, right? I'm willing to you know go to prison to show you I'm. I'm willing to hold this block down and show this block that I'm loyal. I'm willing to leave my same family who I say I'm protecting and providing for. I'm willing to leave them the, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. so it's that change in me. Now it's like, what? Oh, I don't care about that. That that that's 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 the change I want to represent. Yeah. You know that's what I'm cool. saying? That's the yo, like. You really want to take care of your family? Are you are you willing to go to jail? Right. To, That's not take care of your family. Because the same people who you are defending them from, you've now left them too. Mm-hmm. Right. You feel <laughs> what I'm saying? You, yeah. yeah. So like, are you really? So for me, it's it's, it's teaching the financial literacy, but most so the evolution, the mindset shift. Because they can look at me and say, man, I know Trap was in them streets because he talked it the way I talk it. He, he has the intricate details that only somebody in the streets know. If he could do that, man, I know I could do it. Mm-hmm. And then I come like, yo, it ain't easy. Right. It ain't easy. But if you want it, and then now, you know, we've heard a million times, like, what is the why? What is the purpose? For me, it's so much bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. I feel like your purpose has nothing to do with you. Like, you got this school of greatness. School of greatness is not about you. Mm-hmm. It's about how many people you're going to impact with this. Mm-hmm. Are you nine years in? Right. If it was about you, you wouldn't have made it nine years. Retired, man. You would have got tired. Yeah, yeah. Personally, you would have gotten burnt out. I don't want to do this no more. But you know, every time you turn them cameras on, that conversation you have is going to change somebody's life. That's what keeps you going. Mm-hmm. Every time I cut on something, I go do an interview, I talk, I get on Instagram, I know I'm going to change somebody's life. Nah, that's great. I'm going to tap into something just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And if I can do that, that's one person I kept out of prison. Mm-hmm. That's one person that I made them look that debt a little bit different. That's one family I made say, you know what, I won't be here for my little one, so let me do something different. Right. That's bigger than me, man. That's powerful, man. That's bigger than me, man. That's powerful, <laughs> man. What, um, when did you, uh, are you still doing welding? Nah, or, man, or, I haven't. Or when was the last time you did that? So I walked away from my job in 2019, man. Yeah. Is that good. because you were making, you got enough saved up and invested? Is that because you were doing other things? What? Mm-hmm. So 2019, I was building a power plant in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Um, it was the Sassol Chemical Project, one of the biggest projects in the Southeast region. Now, um, I walked away from the job to, to be an educator. To be an educator? Yeah. To teach? To teach. I, I walked away and I said, well, they wanted me to shave my beard. Yeah. You're like, nah, I'm not doing that. I was that. like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I had this thing since 2002, man. I'm not, I'm not doing that, man. And it was like, what you mean you're not going to shave your beard? I'm like, man, it ain't it ain't worth it. And I remember, that's why I say, I think everybody should have one thing they go all in on. So I looked at my account and said, all right, we got money invested. We're pretty good. Let me just focus on it and let me focus on teaching people. Mm-hmm. And I said, 
quit. I walked away from it. And I said, You had enough saved and invested in mm-hmm. the last, what, a year, two years, maybe? I don't know, probably six months. Six months, yeah. Yeah, probably six months. Bills on how I live. Yeah, yeah, depending on what I did. I remember calling my daughter's mama, like, Look, I'm about to quit this job. Wow. So instead of me sending you five, $600 a week, let me just pay for her nursery because my daughter was like maybe four at the time. Yeah. Three, something like that. I was like, let me just pay for nursery until I figure this out. I said, I ain't going back to the streets and I ain't going back to that job. I said, I'm all in on me. Mm. I'm going to create change. I believe in it. I know this could change the hood. She was like, you believe in it, I believe in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so 2019, um, I quit my job. That was my last time. And I've been building this from the travel to Wall Street. I've been building a Wall Street travel brand ever since. Came with a lot of ups and downs, but I never turned my back on it. Right? And I and I real I, I knew that it was gonna change my life mm. while changing a lot of people's life. Mm-hmm. And I was I was cool with that. I I, I bet on it. Right. I bet on it, and I, I ain't ever prayed as much in my life as I did. <laughs> What's the biggest myths around money that you've learned about since then, since kind of going all in on a business and mm-hmm. your own thing? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest things I always say is, is that um, I've, never, I've, I've never met a person working two or three jobs that actually was doing better because all you did was sell more time. Sleep less, stress more. Yeah. Like that. I think that is one of the biggest myths is saying, I gotta work harder. I don't think getting where you wanna go at in life is not about actually working harder. Right. And I get it. I mean, if you're got if you're already in debt, you got bills, you got kids, you got responsibilities, you got these things, because you've been choosing those behaviors consistently for years, you've gotten yourself into a, a hole uh, that is probably harder to get out get of. Yep. So how do you switch that mentality of like, I hear what you're saying, Trap. Mm-hmm. It's not about working that extra two jobs, mm-hmm. but I got all these bills, I got these, mm-hmm. I got kids, I got this, I got mm-hmm. that, I got my rent, mm-hmm. food, I'm already taking government sub, sub, right. su- sub, subsidies, I'm doing these things. What's the next move, the next move? to start getting me out of working mm-hmm. harder and working smarter? So I think now what happens is we now have to start saying, okay, um, I always say that we can, um, the problem is hard to identify. The problem is hard to identify. It's the lie that's hard for us to see. And it's saying that, all right, I don't have the money right now. That's the problem. Why don't you have the money? Mm. It's the lie. I don't make enough, no? Well, you got bad money habits. Right. You're making bad right. decisions. You're making bad You're consuming. decisions. And they're compounding. Yeah. Right? So it, for me, and just to get to that question, is saying, okay, so now let's lay out an outline. I think one of the things we feel to do is plan. Like, what is the strategy to get us out of this situation? And if we in a bad situation, sacrifices gotta be made, mm-hmm. right? So, okay, cool, how do we get out of this situation? All right, cool, so maybe you do take on another way. Maybe you do take on another job, right? Okay, that's cool. How long are we taking on that job? And are we using this other job specifically for paying off debt or getting me out of this hole? Because the objective is not to work the two jobs, right? Or I would say the world we in right now, 
That smartphone is so amazing. So powerful. So find a way to create mm-hmm. some passive income from mm-hmm. that thing. Like it, it, it's, it's limitless. Yeah. Right? Like we are the situation that most people are in, they didn't get in it overnight. So the goal shouldn't be how do I get out of it overnight? It should be a plan over time. It should be a plan over time. This is the reason why people who scam will always have a job is because it's always easy to sell somebody in a desperate situation how to get rich quick. Mm-hmm. It's always easy to sell somebody on how to get rich quick when you're in a desperate situation. The worst place you want to be at in life is desperate. It's the worst place you want to be at. Right. It's desperate because you're willing to actually put yourself in the worst situation to try to get better. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, it only gets worse. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's saying, like, let's really take a back. And that's one of the things I love about the stock market is I've learned how to run my life like a business. Not my business, like my life mm-hmm. is ran like a business. Like I understand, okay, this how much came in this month, this how much money I'm spending. Not in my business, in my life. This is how much my bills cost. Right. This is how much food intake costs. Right? This is how much I'm giving myself for, you know, miscellaneous things. Cause I'm not I'm I think some people feel like I don't got to spend no money on no, let's be realistic. You're gonna spend some money. Right? That's gonna happen. But Let's not be abusive with it because money is the tool. Yeah. Money is a tool, not a goal. Money is a tool, not a goal. Mm-hmm. If we use the tool for what it's for, it leverages our life. Right. What's it for? It's for to give you leverage. It's for to build wealth. It's for to buy back time. It's for to give you access. It's for, it's for to give you opportunity. I always say that I use my money for three things, access, information, and assets. Mm-hmm. That's the triangle, man. That's the Phil Jackson triangle, man. <laughs> yeah. Information, access, and access. And why? It's because the information and the access allows you to become the asset. Mm. You become the asset. You become the Not asset. Not investing in assets? Well, both. So yes. investing in assets, but the biggest asset you is are you. the most valuable asset. You're the most valuable your wisdom, asset. your knowledge, your experience, your asset. your last name, your credibility, your relationships. Biggest asset. No yep. one can never take that away from you. Yeah. So you use the money to put you in a situation to get information and buy access. You can do those two things, you become the asset. Mm-hmm. I sit down and talk to Lou, I sit down and talk to you every day, bro. We build a relationship. Right. I know who you know now. Right. Right? You'd be like, you know what, man, I know I know somebody you should talk to. You should talk to my guy Wall Street Trapper, man. Right. Perfect person for you. Right. I wouldn't have got that without building that rapport. Mm-hmm. I got access. What's up, Lou? How you feeling, man? Christmas, man. Let's send him something, man. Let him know, I, let him know it's all love, man. Yeah. Let him know Trap think about it, man. <laughs> How you doing, man? You good? Good. Cool. Man, I, I like Trap. Cool. Mm-hmm. I, built, I built something here. You got a party? Man, I got a Christmas party. You should come to L.A. Cool. Now the information that I can provide is valuable when I get in the room that I got access to. I'm an asset. I'm an asset to you now. Mm-hmm. Trap knows about investing. Trap may know something I don't know. I mean, now we swapping value. So people need to learn how not to go into a situation and say, how much money can I make? How can I provide value to you? Yeah. I do that all the time. Man, how can I be a value to you, man? Right. Like, you know what I do. What, what can I do to help you out? Right? Like, how can I be of assistance? How can I take some of the sweat equity off you? How can I make your situation a little bit better, mm-hmm. all based off what I know? 
I become the asset. If we can become assets in every situation we're in, that's playing offense. Mm. That's playing. I'm all about full court pressure. Right, right, right. <laughs> all about leveraging this thing called life, man, because there's people out here making hundreds of millions of dollars. They didn't do that on their own. No. There's people out here living the life they could never imagine. They didn't do that on their own. They knew somebody at some point that plugged them with somebody, that put them in a room, that put them on a phone call, that helped them get that role, mm -hmm. that gave them some information that changed their life. That's how they get there. Yeah. And you know how you get in the room when it happens? Talk about it. <laughs> you get there. <laughs> By adding value to people All in the, the room time. that want you to be in that room because you've offered value in some way. The value doesn't need to be you're the smartest, most talented person ever. The value could be, I just feel good around this feel person. Feel good around it. This person's got a positive energy. Yeah. Good attitude. Like, yeah. man, let's just bring him along. They let's make bring, me feel better. Yeah. That's value. That's value. It could be he's got a skill set. He's got some years of experience in an industry that I want to learn about. Let's bring him in the room. Mm -hmm. And I think when you can bring that value... Uh, when you can learn a new skill and have that some, some type of value, mm -hmm. bring it to someone who doesn't have it. Oh, yeah. They're going to give you access. Hell, yeah. That access is going to give you opportunities. Every time. You've got to be willing to move into those. Every time. And that's why I said in the beginning, when he told me, stop trading time for money and start making money work for you, that was like, damn, all right. But when he said bring value to people. That's it. I didn't learn that part till later on. Mm. That's why I, said, I didn't get that till later. Like, oh, that's what this means. Yeah. Like, not going into a situation, man, I wonder what I can get out of this. Nah. What can I bring value that's to it. this? It's 100%. That's why I always, when I'm doing my show, I'm always thinking, how can I serve the person? How can I mm -hmm. give them a platform? How can I tell their story in a better way? Mm -hmm. How can I help promote whatever they have going on? Mm -hmm. And I don't ask for anything in return. Mm. Not until I really have something where yeah. I'm like, okay, I've got a book out. Yeah. Is there something we can do together? Yeah. But it, usually my goal is like, how can I add 10 times the amount of value to someone up front? Mm -hmm. To when then it's a no-brainer to want to add like, back in. a little yeah. bit to me. Like, I don't even need 10 times back. Yeah. It's just like, just to say, of course, like you've yeah. given me so much value. Easy. Why would I not promote this? Why would Easy. I not make an intro? Mm -hmm. You've built so much credibility with the person by adding value mm -hmm. that they appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And if a person doesn't appreciate it and they're only a taker, then maybe that's not the right person you want to yeah. be in, in relationship with. Yeah. And not everyone's going to be able to pay you back something all the time, but it, it, it should be come back to you in some way. The more yeah. you add value to people in general, it's going to come back. It's reciprocated. Yeah. It, it had, like, I feel like, so we all are cups. And if I'm always pouring, I want to make sure that I'm pouring into people that at some point they can pour back into me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because if I'm always pouring, then I'm going to be like insufficient. Right. right? And so I'm going to burn out. I'm going to be depleted. And then I can't finish my journey. So I, even in bringing value, you also need to be around people that see value in what you do or what you bring them. Because now it's easy to be like, nah, man, trap, boom. Like that helps. And then also, too, just understanding how, like, I, Take my time to, one of the things prison taught me was understanding people. Yeah. Like everybody operates in their own unique way. I never expect people, this is one of the biggest mistakes that people have. 
expecting someone to handle a situation the way that they would. Wow, yeah. I've learned that the hard way many times. Yeah. Another many time. times. Yeah, you, you are you. Yeah. So for me, it's always, what's that person's perspective? Hmm, that's why they handled that like that. It's okay. And appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Don't take it personally. I, man, I, I did that for too long. <sighs> I did that for too long, man. <laughs> too many nights yeah. being, being frustrated God, taking it, something that, personally. That, yeah. that. Nah, I'm like, nah, it's cool. Because mm-hmm. that's their way of handling it. Yeah. Now it's you know, okay. it's information. All right. Data. Do I want to be in partnership with this person in the future? That's it. You know, what do I need to do next time? Yeah. That's it. And, and that, has, that has truly helped me on the journey. Like learning from, like I'm good at intaking information yeah. and, and using it because I know that life is something that keeps on revolving. Mm-hmm. It's going to keep happening. Every day we know Jim Rohn, one of my favorite people, he said, we know that the sun is going to come up and then it's going to do what? It's going to go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ocean comes out, what happens? The shore comes yeah. back in. Life is going to keep doing that. So every situation that I've been presented with, it's only a matter of time before I'm presented with it again. Mm-hmm. may not be to the same extreme, right. to the same extent, but some familiarity I feel about that situation. Yeah. We got to go through those lessons to create wisdom for the future. <sighs> you know what I mean? Um, You've got an amazing story, my man, and I'm Appreciate excited you, about everything you're creating and everything you've overcome. I think it's it's easy to stay stuck in the past patterns that we're familiar mm-hmm. with. It's easy to go back to familiarity. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to break the mold and, and create a new identity. Mm-hmm. So I acknowledge you for ma- breaking the mold, man, for, yeah, for creating man. breakthroughs. Uh, again, I don't think anyone would celebrate the things you did, but yeah. I acknowledge the mm-hmm. growth, the wisdom, the lessons and the journey you're on to be of service to people in certain communities and cultures that maybe struggle with finding these types of breakthroughs. Mm. So I really acknowledge the assignment that you're on right now mm. and, uh, and the journey you've been on, my man. Yeah, I appreciate you, that. Man. You've got um, you know, powerful social media accounts, uh, Wall Street Trapper. If you just Google that, you'll see it yeah. everywhere on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wallstreettrapper.com yeah. with more resources, information, education on all this stuff for people. Yeah. How else can we be of support to your mission? And where can we connect with you the best? Yeah, so right now I'm pushing, um, you know, the Wall Street Trap on Instagram. Um, I'm working on a show right now called The Wealth Connect, man. Wealth Connect. The Wealth Connect. Wealth Connect. Yeah, The mm-hmm. Wealth Connect. Um, so I'm probably dropping that first of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to take financial literacy to another level to for those to be a voice for those who need it, who I resonate with, mm-hmm. right? I want to, my goal is to make financial literacy a household thing. Yeah. Like, that's my goal. Like, I, I want to be the voice that says, this is not over my head. Mm-hmm. This is just my cup of tea right here. Right, right. Right, so um, working on a Wealth Connect, I'm definitely going to be dropping that soon. So, and that's it right now. Just awesome. Pushing that. You know, I'm going to drop a lot of stuff on the YouTube, but that's my big project coming 2022, the Wealth Connect. Wealth Connect. That'll be, you just go to wallstreettrapper.com and you'll learn more about that. Yeah, so uh, I'm posting some stuff on it on the ground right now, but it's definitely on um, the trapperuniversity.com. The trapperuniversity.com. Yeah, man, everything okay. Trapper, man. <laughs> I don't okay. deviate, man. I yeah. like it, man. I like it. Um, this is a question I ask everyone towards the end of the mm-hmm. show. It's called the three truths. Mm. So imagine it's your last day on earth many years away from now. Mm. And you've lived out your assignment. Mm. You've accomplished your goals and dreams. You've created the financial freedom and helped others do that in situations that you grew up in mm-hmm. and beyond. You know, you did everything you wanted to do. 
Uh, but for whatever reason, it's your last day. Yeah. And you only get to leave behind three lessons to the world that you've learned. Mm. And they don't have access to Trapper University Nothing. or the Wealth Connect. That's all, that's all gone for whatever reason. It's on to the next place with you. But you have three lessons you get to share. I call, mm -hmm. it, the, I call it the three truths. What would be those three truths for mm, you? I like that. Um, one is live your life with no regrets. Um, it, that's twofold because in living with no regrets, I will want you to say that in every moment I'm willing to live in it. I think we don't we don't appreciate the moments as we should, right? So living with no regrets. Um, two, <laughs> it is okay to say no. Uh -huh. <laughs> no is a complete sentence. Yeah. Right. Um, and three, hmm, find your purpose. What happens to us when we don't find our purpose? We walk around lost. Yeah. We live an unfulfilled life. I get up every day because I know that I'm walking in my purpose. So mm -hmm. I get up every day happy. I get up every day and I say, yo, I get to do something that everybody don't get to do. Even there's entrepreneurs who aren't in their purpose, they just have a business. Right. Maybe a successful right, 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 business. Right. Maybe they're but making they, money, but it's not what they, they want. They ain't fulfilled. Right. When you find your purpose, you find fulfillment. I'm fulfilled. I'm still healing. I'm still growing. But I'm fulfilled. Yeah. Because every day I know I get up and I get to change somebody's life. Every day. Mm -hmm. Teaching, educating, um, showing humility, um, Letting people learn from my past, me learning. Like every day, I get to walk in my purpose. And for that, I get to live a fulfilled life. And I've said this. I said, yo, I know I got a lot of more stuff to accomplish. Mm -hmm. But man, I know that if my day was to come, I know I could say, I finally got it. Mm. I found it. And the, the longer we're here, the, no, the more I feel that you'll get more assignments added to what you got going on. Like, here's another assignment. Here, you know, it's like a teacher. Oh, you're doing good? Here's another assignment. Yeah, yeah. Here's another assignment. Because they know, the, 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 the creator knows you can handle it. You can it. handle it. You can take it on. You can take it on. The more you, when you walk into that purpose, man, your life changes. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm speaking this, and I, and I get emotional in a way because my life is unrecognizable from three, four years ago. Yeah unrecognizable because every day I was walking around just in the dark, hurt, painful, abandoned, you know, all I knew was violence. All I felt like, I felt like I was empty. To transition to saying, I'm fulfilled. Uh -huh. Man, you can't match that with nothing. Man. That's good, man. That's good, man. <laughs> um, final question for you. What's mm -hmm. your definition of greatness? My definition of greatness is being impactful and living the life you're proud of. Mm. Doesn't have to do with money, doesn't have to do with accolades, doesn't have to do with notoriety. Can I wake up every day and say, I'm happy with this life? Mm -hmm. Like I'm, like I'm, yeah. people don't really know what happiness is. And how many people can I, have I impacted people before I left here? Mm -hmm. Impact don't have nothing to do with money either. So if I can be impactful and live a life that I can truly say I'm happy with, that's my definition of greatness.
Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you guys. So share a review over on Apple and let me know what part of this episode resonated with you the most. And if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you are matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great.